Hello, I'm John Cameron, and welcome to Musicology. As usual with these episodes, I'm going to thank everyone who has listened so far. It's uh, it, It's been fun, the last couple of episodes, of course, starting with Joni Mitchell. That one started with... I've always been, well, not just me, of course, but everyone's always been amazed and fascinated by uh, by Joni's lyrics. And one of the things I guess I've become kind of known for with, whether it's the Janet documentary or this podcast, is deconstructing music. But the Joni one was a bit more of a, a challenge for me to deconstruct lyrics, which I'm not particularly comfortable doing because I just feel as though whenever someone does that, especially with an artist like Joni Mitchell, it comes across as incredibly pretentious. So I'm, I'm hoping I avoided that by taking a more literal approach. Pretty much originated with, I was reading about the song Coyote and I was tracking in my mind the development of of the song, which is how it comes across in the, the podcast itself, where she starts on Bob Dylan's Rolling Thunder Review Tour and with each concert, she just adds more and more to it. And that was kind of the approach I wanted to, to take, particularly focusing on the Hegira album. Uh, with The Hissing of Summer Lawns, that was more of a musical deconstruction or, or uh, tracking progression kind of approach, which I, I think worked really well for the, for the episode. Otherwise, it probably would have gotten a bit a, a bit monotonous if I was just focusing on lyrics but uh, for, for both albums so I think I think that worked that worked pretty well um, and certainly it was a I wouldn't say it was a challenge because there was a d- decent amount of material there but Joni she, she doesn't really give a lot of interviews and majority of the really informative interviews she's done, have come from more so from the 80s and focuses on those albums, which is fine for when I make uh, an episode on, on those ones, but for for Hissing of Summer Lawns and Hegira, it did prove to be a bit of a challenge, but there was enough there that I could relate it to the songs, and that was very fortunate in my case. And, of course, there was uh, a, a lot of material that meant I wasn't simply playing the album versions. Of course, the most obvious case of that was the Hissing of Summer Lawn's acoustic demos, which in themselves are absolutely incredible. But then seeing them kind of fade into what ended up on the album was... Uh, it, it was a real display of, of that transformative process for, for Joni, so I'm, I'm, I'm quite pleased with how that turned out, to be honest. And Hegira was, uh, I mean, that's my, my favourite Joni Mitchell album. It's just absolutely incredible. 
there was a bit more interview material for that era, but there wasn't any demos or anything like that, so I couldn't track it in the same way that 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 I had with hissing. So instead, I used a couple of live versions, uh, Coyote from the Last Waltz concert, which is my favorite version of that song, and Amelia from the Shadows and Lights album, which, again, is my favorite version of that song. So I think that stopped it from becoming too, uh, too, too, again, you know, I don't want to just play the album. I want to make it interesting enough for those who have heard that stuff a million times before like I have. So there was one deleted segment, and it's uh, essentially it got removed because that deconstructing the lyrics process was done with Song for Sharon, and I felt I did it more effectively with that one. Uh, so this, this deleted segment revolves around Furry Sings the Blues, which is an incredible song, and I really debated in my mind about removing it, but I felt it was necessary, especially because I think unedited, the Hegira segment runs about 25 minutes and the Hissing of Summer Lawns runs only for about 15 and nothing was cut out of that. So I wanted there to be a bit more balance as well. But uh, I think on its own it's interesting enough, it has a bit of history in there. And... Yeah, let's let's have a listen to it. You can make up your own mind. The most excited I ever remember was in Furry Sings the Blues. I'm trying to describe this trip I took into this ghost town of the old black music thing with wrecking cranes standing all around while the city fathers decided whether to keep it for historic reasons or not. Old Teal Street is coming down Sweetie's snack bar boarded up now And Eccles the tailor And the shine boy's gone Faded out with ragtime blues And he's cast in bronze And he's standing in a little park With his trumpet in his hand Like he's listening back To the good old bands And the click of high-heeled shoes he sings the blues Propped up in his bed With his dentures and his leg removed And Jenny's there For her kindness And for his beer She's the old man's angel overseer Barry Lewis was a frequent entertainer on the strip, usually armed with his old Martin electric guitar. The wooden leg line refers to Ferry's childhood train accident in which he was amputated, but around this time, another affliction would take place, being the deterioration of his eyesight. As a result, Ginny, or Virginia, his wife, accompanied his side consistently. The part that I recall going, like, being excited about language more than anything in all my writing was... Pawn shops glitter like gold-toothed caps In the gray decay they chew the last few dollars Off old Beale Street's carcass Carrion and mercy Blue and silver sparkling drums Cheap guitars 
aimed at the hot blood of the unknown. Down and out in Memphis, Tennessee, old Furry sings the blues. Bring him smoke and drink, and he'll play for you. It's mostly muttering now, and sideshow spiel. But there was one song he played I could really feel. Joni met with Ferry during her trip through Memphis. Despite their friendly and informative interactions, Ferry became very angry about his lack of payment for his quote-unquote feature in the song. There's a double-billed murder at the New Daisy The old girl's silent across the street She's silent Waiting for the record's beat Silent Staring at her stolen Urban laughter, ghost history falls to parking lots and shopping malls. As they tear down Old Beale Street, old furry sings the blues. He points a bony finger at you and says, I don't like you. Everybody laughs as if it's the old man's standard joke. But it's true, we're only welcome for our W.C. Handy, often regarded and referred to as the father of the blues, gets his essential mention. W.C. Handy, I'm rich and I'm fake And I'm not familiar with what you played But I get such strong impressions of your heyday Looking up and down Oldfield Street Ghost of the dark town society Come right out of the bricks at me Like it's a Saturday night They're in their finery Dancing it up and making deals Furry sings the blues Why should I expect that old guy to give it to me true? Fall into hard luck and time and other thieves while our limo is shining on his shanty street old furry sings the blues Joni's imagination was captured by the history and mysticism of Bill Street, re-articulated into one of her most poetic songs. You could take just about any few lines from this track, and with a limited amount of knowledge of the area, you're still left with quite the strong imprinted visual in your mind. So, yeah, that, that segment required quite a bit of, uh, a, a bit of research as well into the, the Bill Street, Memphis kind of area. Uh, perhaps I, I, I am going to try and go there next year, so maybe my perspective on it will be completely, completely flipped. But I think a lot of it's relatively historically accurate. Um, yeah, I, I, I think if I'd left it in, it just would have dragged on a bit too long. Uh, it, it doesn't really add anything to, to, to the episode itself. It's, it's interesting, but it, it's not. I think what was left in put the the points I was trying to make across. 
Joni is really a special artist to me. I, I am going to make a, a, a lot more episodes on, on her work because there's just, there's so much of it and it, it's very interesting. I'd recommend uh, Reckless Daughter by David Yaff. It's a really incredible book that just documents each of her albums and when you read it, it really does put into context a lot of a lot of what she did. I mean, there's not a lot that wasn't known before that book came out in there, but it's a nice surmise of 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 the stories behind the songs, much like the the Making Michael book was uh, on Michael Jackson. Nothing really that wasn't known, but it, it's just all there, and it's a it's a valuable resource. <clears throat> Speaking of valuable resources, uh, I, I really do have to thank Les from JoniMitchell.com who posted the episode on the official Facebook and later posted the transcript on on the Joni Mitchell website, which is uh, just an absolute honour. For those who might have read the transcript, you probably would have known the, the Furry Sings the Blue segment already because I didn't edit that out of the script, but it's all up there. So you can kind of see where it where it f- fits in on JoniMitchell.com. That's such an incredible website. I there, there's no like pretty much all of my research came from there. It really is incredible. Even if you're not a fan of Joni Mitchell, I, I find that tough to believe. But but just just go and have a look at it. it. It's 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 so amazing. And again, I can't thank Les enough for the support he put behind this. So thank you very much for that, if you're listening. Uh, so the episode that came after that was on Sade, and it, it uh, I, I really like that episode as well, in spite of the fact that it's a bit too short. It only goes for about half an hour, whereas I, I kind of want my episodes to go for more like 40 minutes. But uh, there, there's no deleted segments from that, unfortunately. I did have an idea of uh, kind of deconstructing Cherry Pie because... There's an interesting story behind that, and if you analyse the song corresponding to that story of how the song was mixed, it, it's it. I, I don't think it would have worked as a presentation, and I don't think it's perhaps interesting <laughs> enough to to fit with the narrative that I was going for, which was really just to tell the story of of the band. And that was one of the main focuses to fully articulate this is a band. It's not just Sade Adu. It is Stuart Matthewman, it's Andrew Hale and Paul Denman as well. And they are just as important as Sade herself. So that was an important an important thing for me to for me to put across because it's something that even a lot of the most diehard fans don't quite realise. So hopefully it came across. Um it is my mo- my least listened to episode thus far, though. <laughs> I I did uh, I did get a bit desperate and and posted a link on the on the Pop Justice forum, just because uh, I don't know why it, it's not getting that many listens. It's I'm I'm not hung up on on listen on on how many people listen. Uh, I'd I'd rather and and actually I just recorded an episode on someone else where I. I say the line, let me get the script. Um, this is this will be from the, the next episode of Musicology I post. Um, 
I'm, I'm talking about this artist, and it says he's aware that there is greater value in one person buying your album and listening to it from end to end, rather than 100 people hearing the half of the album out of configuration and on the radio. And that's kind of my attitude. I'd rather if people listen, they, they, they're actually listening rather than having a lot of them listen and not really getting anything out of it. Um, with that said, it's always appreciated when, when listeners share. <laughs> yeah, and, and another thing that was interesting with Sade, uh, the, the episode was that I didn't really have a lot of material. For the most part, I'm just playing the, the songs from, from the albums. And, and that was a bit of a challenge because I, I, I always want to make it interesting for those who know the stories and have heard the songs a million times. So I, I thought, and this is what I ended up doing, it would be interesting to compare different versions like the Smooth Operator UK mix and American version. Uh, well, it's not a UK mix, it's kind of the rest of the world mix. And having them play side by side, and I've received a lot of good feedback on that. I, I think it cleared up a lot of misconceptions about the different versions of Smooth Operator. And it worked well for Never As Good As The First Time as well. So, yeah. That's um that that's pretty much it. I don't really have a deleted scene from the the Sade episode. I do intend to do another one on focusing on Stronger Than Pride and Love Deluxe, which are my favorite albums and really do mean a lot to me. And it'll be kind of along the same lines, although there's a lot more interview material from that period and that are talking directly about the songs. So hopefully that can be presented in a narrative manner. I'm sure it can. So aside from that, I, I don't really have a lot to say. I know the last episode of the, the quarterly review, I know the last quarterly review was uh, quite long. There were a few deleted scenes in that, but I kind of intend these to, to be short and sweet. I did send out a tweet recently saying uh, that the next episodes coming up would be Maxwell, Michael Jackson, Madonna and Janet, and that is, that, that's kind of what's going to happen. Um, the Michael Jackson one is my most anticipated episode by other people, and Madonna is a close second. After I did the Janet Jam and Lewis documentary, I think I tweeted to someone, they, they asked if I'd ever do one on Madonna, and I said, yes, I'm working on it. Uh, and since then, and that's getting close to a year ago now, uh, I just keep receiving messages of, oh, when are you going to do the Madonna one? So we'll see how that goes. Um it, it's it's proving to be a bit difficult just piecing together stories. It, it'll primarily focus on the erotica era, which is probably my favourite. And, of course, there's the infamous rain tapes that display all of the, the different versions, and then a lot of Madonna fans have created fake, you know, mock-ups of them, which get advertised as real ones on the internet and it's just a, it's been a bit of a nightmare trying to figure out what's real and what isn't and what came before what especially the song erotica itself will be a, a primary focus in that episode and you've got the uh, love hurts demo and then you've got the you uh you thrill me version and then you've got the erotic version then you've got the album version then you've got the live versions and it's just a, it's just a bit of a nightmare, but I look forward to seeing how that comes through. Um, yeah, 
And uh, I, I, it might not necessarily be those four artists that come up next, but those are the primary focuses at the moment, along with a couple of others. There'll, there'll be some surprises. But uh, yeah, aside from that, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to say. And I've just recorded the next episode, so I'm hoping that'll be out in the next couple of weeks. But you know me with time. If you've followed the, the podcast so far, you know I'm not the most reliable with timelines. So <laughs> it'll, it'll get done when it gets done. But otherwise, um, speak to you soon.